0: Hello, my name is Ben, and welcome to the show. Today, we shall be taking a deep dive into Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown. This is the Deconstruct Podcast. Have you ever listened to a song be on the radio, just playing out in public, or whatever, and you think to yourself, my God, I haven't heard this song in over 10 years? Well, maybe if you're older than I am, you might be saying, I haven't heard this song in 30 or 40 or 50 years. Well, this song, Somebody's Baby, is like that for me. And looking back on it with fresh ears, I'm noticing that in this song, there's a lot that is done with the sonic palette of... All of the instruments that were available in the early 80s, from the synths that they had to the guitars that they had to the drum setups that they had, it's a masterpiece of sonic design, if not necessarily of musical design. And that's why I wanted to bring this song to the Deconstruct podcast today. Now, as always, some housekeeping things out of the way. First of all, we couldn't get away with playing this music Or any of the music that we play most of the time on the show. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to provide you timestamps in the music to places that we are going to discuss. Unlike last time, I'm actually going to try and do it this time. Last week was a bit of a haphazard consistency in the amount that I put in the timestamps. But I think this time I will do it more consistently. So when I read one out, I want you to go into that place in the song, listen through that section, and then come back for my commentary. And then secondly, before we get into the meat of the podcast itself... I want you to go through and listen through this entire track, try to pick up on the elements, some of the recurring things, some of the design elements that are going into this track, so that when we go through, you'll have a vague understanding as to what we're talking about. So without further ado, let's get into the music. And we will be starting from the section from the beginning of the song through eight seconds into the track. And so pretty immediately into the start of this song, it's pretty clear that there is a lot of sonic elements going into a thing at once. So, first I'm going to ask you, the viewer, to non-rhetorically answer the questions that I am posing to you. First of all, what are the drums and basses doing? Well, rather, drum and bass. In this case, there's only one bass. So, the drum and bass are doing pretty simple things to start off. The drums are keeping down a... Although, I think if you've been listening to this show, you'll know that there's a lot of times the drums will like to do something to accentuate the downbeat as it goes into it. And especially at the start of this song, you can hear pretty clearly that instead of going... On the hi-hat, they're going... and then the bass is kind of doing dun 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 dun, dun just kind of holding down the root of the chord not doing anything too fancy until we get to the end of the section and you may have noticed that it does a little something dun 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 dun, dun or something like that it's not that abrupt but it's just a little thing that leads nicely into that downbeat of the new section next up are the instruments in the middle register Now, first question I want to ask of you is, what instruments are there actually here? And then secondly, what's going on? What are they doing? I think the most obvious thing about this section in terms of the mid-range instruments is that they're kind of hard to parse apart. They're all pretty much doing the same thing, and they're all so put in the same space sonically. So, but... At the same time, I'm thinking that there's at least piano, there's probably some sort of guitar here, but the most thing that I'm certain about is the Hammond organ. I don't want to say if it's Hammond or not, because I really don't know enough about organs to say anything concrete about this organ in particular, but it is a sort of organ. It has a lot of high end to it. Well. Actually, maybe not a lot of high-end, but the high-end that you do hear is really well isolated from the rest of it. And so it gets a sound that's pretty jazzy, but all of these instruments are doing the same thing. And if you notice in comparison to where the kick and snare drum, where they're going there, these instruments are keeping off-kilter from that, filling in the spaces in between. So, that's a really bad impression of it, but it gets the idea across that there's these instruments in the mid range are keeping a lot of the syncopation. That's the word for the spaces in between beats. The next question I want to ask of you non rhetorically is, what is the melody in this section or rather, who is providing the melody? You can answer both of those questions. Or if you don't have the answer to both, just one or neither. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that these mid-range instruments, although also providing chords, are also providing the melody. But the question is how? I think the main thing is that... Da, 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 the fact that they change notes right there... Is enough to establish a melody. Where they could have gone da, da 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 da, they, the producers on this album decided that that wouldn't be the best of ideas, and so they wanted to add a bit more melody into it, add a little bit more intrigue, and so what they did and said da 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 da, which isn't all that far from being in tune. Because if you stack perfect fifths on top of each other, that's a ratio of three to two in the vibrations in a note, then you get those notes that are on top. The last thing that I want to go into is the chord structure, and we'll only have to do this mostly once until we get into the bridge because it's repeating a lot throughout this song, especially in the chorus. So we start with the tonic chord that's always a very good place to start and then we move into the sixth chord which is a major minor excuse me a minor third below the tonic chord and that new root that establishes the bass it feels a little bit like a zombie virus to me because it takes that major chord but then when you stick it underneath it turns it minor And so I think that creates a lot of tension and then to get out of it we shift into the 4 chord which takes the top note of the chord and moves it up but still it's not quite strong enough to move back home if we shift that up into a major 5 chord then that resolves a lot nicer to the tonic chord because The this note goes to this note really nice, and this goes to this real nice, and this kind of wants to stay here in the first place. So it's a very nice resolution there. Next up we have the section from 0 minutes and 8 seconds through 0 minutes and 16 seconds. The biggest change in this section I think clearly is the lead guitar. But here's the thing about that lead guitar line. Crafting a guitar sound is quite a difficult thing to begin with. Even if you're just starting on the guitar, you don't put any um, pedals on it or amplifiers through it. It's still hard to get the right sound. But I think there's some guidelines. So let's start out with a guitar sound that is completely unaltered, as in all of the settings on the guitar are set to default. You may notice that doesn't sound a lot like the guitar sound we had at the beginning. Now, I want you to try to see, suggest to me some things that change the quality, or well, that are different in quality between what I just played and the thing that you heard on the record. Well, one adjective that may come to you is that, the guitar sound on the record is a bit darker. So the way that we would do that on the guitar is first by using the tone filter that is usually built into the guitar. So here it is without any tone filter atop. And now I'll add in a little bit of dampening with this tone filter. It's a little bit better, but it's not necessarily great. We can do a little bit more by changing which of the pickups on the guitar we have. If you look at a picture of an electric guitar, on in the middle of the body, below the strings, you'll often notice that there's two little rectangles that lie below the strings. Sometimes they expose little dots, silvery dots, underneath the strings. Sometimes they don't. but. In this case, those are the pickups, and the closer that you get to the center of the strings, the darker the sound will be, and the closer that you get to the end of the strings, the brighter the sound will get. So first, as a contrast, let me share, uh, let me share how it sounds closer towards the bridge. That's a pretty harsh sound, I'd say. But let's say we put this in the other direction, so that it's picking up more from the center of the strings. A little less loud, but at the same time, a little less harsh. Now, as a caveat, I did lower the amount of tone filter that was on top, so... I have just put it back to where I had put it earlier so that the sound is even a little bit more darker. But here's the thing about that sound. It's a pretty it's a pretty dark sound. So But it doesn't have that much grit to it in the first place. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add a little bit of distortion on top of it. And the way that I do that is just by cranking up the input on the guitar. And I will warn you to guard your ears now or turn down the volume. And now we'll do that again but at a lower volume so that it doesn't hurt your ears. So, that's the basis of recording a guitar sound, or making a guitar sound, rather. I'm not going to get into the notes of that guitar riff just yet, but it will become more obvious why they included those specific notes as we go along. So now we are going to take a look at 0 minutes and 16 seconds through 0 minutes and 53 seconds. So the first question, as always, that I'm going to ask is, what are the drums and basses doing? Well, the drums aren't doing anything that different. They're still kind of doing pretty much the exact same thing. The bass, however, is laying back a little bit. You may notice that it's not doing as dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, but more like dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And I think those little drawn-out notes help to slow the pace of the song down a little bit. Also, brief divergent. Uh, So earlier I was saying that it was an organ of some sort that they're playing here, but I wasn't sure if it was a Hammond organ. It turns out it is a Hammond organ. Using Wikipedia to know what instruments are in a song is very helpful because usually on literally any single track that you can find out there, you can always find the instruments that are being played. So it'll be easier for you to know what you're looking for when you're trying to figure out instruments, especially in this section right here. What is the mid-range instruments doing? What are the mid-range instruments doing here? In this song, I think it's really helpful to notice that there are two separate guitars, but one of them, the this is the important thing, one of them will be in your right ear, and one of them will be in your left ear, and there's not a whole lot of other things going on in either of those uh, channels, so this is why listening with headphones is so important to understanding music, because... It's very helpful to have things in different ears so that you can have a bit more clarity as to what is going on. Because if you had just been listening to this in one ear, then you wouldn't have been picking up on all of this stuff. Mostly just because I find it to get muddled. So in this case, uh, the guitar in the right ear is being a little bit more rhythmic. In this case, it's doing and occasionally going kind of in line with what was going on in the earlier sections of this track. On the other hand, the guitar in the left ear is being a little bit more melodic. Not terribly much, but being a little bit more. um, For example, after the singer says, she must be somebody's baby. The guitar answers with da, do da. Next up is the piano. And I think that there are some places in here where the other instruments kind of muddle over it, but especially at the beginning of this verse, you can hear the piano is mostly just holding out chords for four bars. So just putting down chords Um, one note per chord and then letting the other instruments take care of the rhythmic stuff but I don't think that's necessarily at the expense of anything else that is going on I think it adds a little bit of continuity where the other instruments are hammering out rhythms and It's harder to hear the piano, especially in the second half of each part of the verse, because the Hammond organ, I think, is coming in and it's doing little rhythmic things. But it's very hard to hear. Although, here's the thing. I like to divide up mentally where instruments are in the physical space around me, even if it doesn't really represent reality. For me, it always feels like... The vocals are in the center of my head. The drums are in the center of my head. In this particular case, the guitars are in each ear. And then it feels to me like the piano is sat somewhere like a few inches in front of my face. But then uh, the Hammond organ is sat almost directly above the bridge of my nose. It's a bit weird like that, but I find things like that help me figure out where instruments are and then when i can figure out even if it's a little bit abstractly where instruments are i can come back to that place in my head and try to see what's happening here and then i can say oh here's an instrument that i knew was going to be there i find these sorts of things helpful and then finally in the instrumentation i think the only element left to add on is this that's a synthesizer noise that's going on there. But cleverly, I think it creates that sort of whistling sound by having high end in just the right places in each of these notes. I personally can't say much beyond that because I'm not that great at sculpting a synthesizer sound myself. But if you take the difference between, um, say, a pure sine wave then this has high end but i think in just the right places and i'm going to address the notes in that melody as we talk about the chords that are underlying this because i lied at the beginning the chords that are underlining this particular section aren't the same as when we started out with although a lot of pop songs do the same just four chord loop today they didn't do that here. They decided to go for a little bit of extra flair, which is nice. So, I think the thing that would help the most to understand this is to listen to what the bass line is doing. And if you listen to what the bass line is doing, then you'll notice that in the first half of the part of the verse, then it's rising into new chords so as we start on this low note here that establishes where we're starting from and we know that this isn't the tonic chord so we still have some ways to go and some tension to build as we get back into the tonic so to start here and then we shift that up to create a little bit of tension but then as we shift it up further and create more tension we go minor on this chord progression and it heightens the tension at its peak and then the bass note goes up but then the rest of the chords come down well the notes in the chords come down so That would indicate to me that we are starting to resolve somewhere. And then that rising thing in the bass line finally reaches the tonic. And then the chords atop of it resolve to match it. The rest of the verse is kind of uninteresting in my opinion. It just goes from the 4 to the 5 to the 4 to the 5 just to allow for the hook of... But then that does lead us nicely into the structure of the verse melody. Now, to start off, I think that it's useful to analyze this in comparison to what the bass line is doing. So to start off, it's a general kind of descending thing. So, it's almost entirely descending there, and it's kind of keeping the same rhythm. da 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 So, what keeps it interesting? Well, other than the words that you can latch onto. Well, there's a little bit... There's a couple of times when the melody decides to go up instead of down, or decides to keep on the same plane that it's been. So... That time it wants to go back up, but I think in that case it's just that the note that it dips down to is just a melody enhancer. So let's, if I was to do it without that extra note, I even threw it in there just because it's natural to want to do something there to lower it. But then as we end off this part of the melody, there's a little more of a melody enhancer at the end. But I think that comes mainly from the word eyes. I think the word eyes, even as I say it, I'm noticing that the pitch goes down a little bit as I say it. So it would be natural to include that in the verse here when the lights come up in her eyes as opposed to up in her eyes which the second version of that isn't bad but the first version of that is a little bit more pizzazz a bit more stylistically appropriate in my opinion but then we get into the second half of the part of the verse where you have the hook she must be somebody's baby Which has the same idea. It's descending, but then there's a little bit of melodic embellishment. Babe. And I think that it's useful to put a bit of melodic embellishment in there, specifically. Because that's going to be the part of the song that you remember. And if the song's called Somebody's Babe, you'll know what to go into the record shop to buy. Which is what the... Studio executives want you to do. I forgot to mention that there's that response from the synth after look in her eyes. And that is a nice contrast to the melodic line, not only in terms of tone quality, but also in terms of the notes. What I find is that it's a lot more leaping and jumping um and that's reflected well on the second part of the verse in general the second run through of this whole thing where the guitar line goes even more jumps added in as always with music like this, we don't ever want to do the same exact thing twice. If we need to do something twice, then we make it just slightly differently. And that's one of the things in there that makes it slightly different the second time around. So now we have reached the end of that section and now we are getting into the chorus and this is from 53 seconds into the track through one minute and 10 seconds. So now I ask what in terms of the instrumentation is going on here and specifically I'm going to ask what is different from the opening section of this song. What's different from the introduction because you'll pretty quickly find that if you go through it's pretty much almost exactly the same as the introduction to this song. But what is different this time around? Well, to me, the answer is pretty obvious, it's that there's an extra synth line being added in. It's pretty brassy in its sound, it's got a lot of high end to it, but at the same time it doesn't really attract all that much attention to itself, I find. It just kind of is there, but it's adding more sonic space to the sound. From here, we now need to take a look at what the vocal line is doing. So take a few minutes, figure out something that's going on here, and then come back. First, I want to address the, she's so fine. It's taking that melodic idea from the end of somebody's baby, but then shifting it down so that it fits into the tonic key better. So if I sing somebody's baby, that fits a little bit better than Somebody's baby under the same chord. But in the melodic line in the chorus, there are a couple of things in here that I think that they revolved the meat of the melodic line around. The first and most important thing is this da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Each fragment in there is a very good way of leading towards that final note. So da na na da na is not quite the same as da 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 especially on that da na it draws a little bit more attention to the end of that little phrase so that as we finally end on yeah it's uh properly set up but on the second time through I don't think that we need that the second time. If we were to include it a second time, then I think it would be indicating something stronger than a verse that was coming next. So if it was going to go into another round of that chord progression, but instead having no vocal line on it, then I think it would be a better place to put it. But that doesn't happen. It goes right back into the verse. And so I think adding a... Baby tonight, or baby, y'all right, is a better solution in this case. Which then leaves the she's probably somebody's. So, what's going on there, I think, is that the probably is leading into somebody's because the more important words there are somebody's. So, what's happening there is that it's leading up in notes and in rhythmic. The, the rhythm of the speech into somebody's. So, probably somebody's. So, as we get into that somebody's, we can die back down so that we get stepwise motion in, into only light. So, th- together that's somebody's only light. So, if I could nitpick the things that are happening in the song a little bit, I think that they don't go hard enough on the vocal line here I feel like there's big opportunities for having three-part big old vocal harmonies in here so give this a listen I've done a version of myself and imagine that superimposed over what's happening in the instrumentals and I think I'm right on this one. Disagree with me if you want, but I'll give you just this, just to see if you agree with me. (gasps) She's probably somebody's only light, gonna shine tonight. Yeah, she's probably somebody's baby tonight. The next section we are going to discuss is from 1 minute and 10 seconds through 1 minute and 26 seconds. So, as I said earlier, in pop music, even though we we repeat stuff, we don't want things to be the same. Now, this time around on the verse, what are you picking up in terms of new elements or different elements? To me, there are two things that stick out to me. The first is that there's now a new synth part that comes through, I think, the most clearly on else was around as it goes to that bottom note. I think that it rises to its apex on that note. It's the The quality is a little bit like synth strings, but I think it's a bit more proper to say it's got a bit more of a pad sound, and that meaning that it's a bit more background fodder in terms of its sound quality it's not got as much of a high end on it but at the same time if you have a keyboard from the early 2000s especially if it's made by Yamaha it's probably somewhere in those patch settings I think that sort of sound also is built into general MIDI which is one of the standards for what instruments go where when you're transferring MIDI data, that is, uh, software-generated music, uh, when you're transferring that from one instrument to another. And also, but a few seconds later, there's also a difference in the bass tone for the first time, where before it had been kind of keeping on the background. All of a sudden, now the tone is suddenly more attacky and also... It's got a little bit more high end to it. Um, If you don't know what the term is, it's slap bass, and I'm not very good at doing it myself, but the general idea is that you're letting the string bounce against the fretboard so that it has a bit more slap to it. If you know the bass sound from the Seinfeld theme song, it's still that same sort of idea. The next thing that I want to discuss is one minute, through 20 se- 1 minute 27 seconds through 1 minute and 47 seconds. Now, what I am noticing here is that the organ is taking a bit more of a longer... It's taking longer with its notes, and it's establishing itself as a bit more of connective tissue amongst these rhythmic sort of things. And that is creating a little bit more of a gravitas to it i think especially as we end the first part of this part of the verse with um the drums landing on a cymbal crash instead of still just chugging along and let the other instruments be the final part of the section of the melody and these elements i think come up more as we go into the chorus, which is from 1 minute 47 seconds through 2 minutes and 3 seconds, to me, I am noticing that the organ is still holding out these notes and still being that sort of bright connective tissue. And also that the bass line, even though it's not doing slap bass, it's still keeping itself interesting. Um, it's doing things like da 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 stuff like that, but it's not that different from what was going on before, but still just different enough to keep your attention. Then as we move into the bridge, this is from 2 minutes and 3 seconds through 2 minutes and 12 seconds. We get a new melodic line, even though the texture is kind of the same as with the verses, there's new melodic lines and new counter melodies going on, so let's start with what uh, the singer is doing what's striking to me initially is that it starts with the same three notes that end this da 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 that happens in the verse but instead it takes that and runs with it a little bit more a little bit of melodic embellishment at the end to establish finality and then the guitars are reintroducing this idea of descending lines going da 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 da, da and then that is repeated in the organ going Brat, da 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 da, and just adding a little bit of embellishment again. So it's still, again, not the same, but just a little bit differently. And then after the organ is done doing its thing, it still holds through so that it can be yet another sustaining instrument so that this bridge feels a little bit more laxer and not as driving. And then as we end this bridge and get into a version of the introduction again, uh, the singer is sustaining um, a fifth above the root over this whole thing, which is pop music gold we've been talking about the contrast between sustained elements and rhythmic elements in this track but this is turned up to an 11 when it's presented then in the vocal line because you have the vocal line which is just sustaining this thing and then just everything underneath it is like yes we have you we are supporting you and it's just it's good it's so good the next section that we're going to talk about is a lull between two different sections of a modulation on the chorus. So that will run from 2 minutes and 40 seconds through 2 minutes and 57 seconds. So first let's figure out what all of the instrumentation is doing. So first I'm going to ask about the bass and drums. What are they doing? Well. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing that's been happening already. Drums are still doing... Bass is still doing... But this time, instead of just kind of keeping on the down low, the bass is also doing some neat little rhythmic stuff, especially with the slap bass. Now, what are the -er mid-range instruments doing, the mid-range instruments Well, the first thing that strikes out to me is in the right guitar channel, there's a bit of a variation on the main verse melody that she's got to be somebody's baby. But instead this time, in this case, I think it's specifically done in order to lead into what the synth is doing in the upper register responding with it. Meanwhile, the guitar in the left channel is doing a chord on every downbeat. And I think it doesn't need to do anything else other than that. Neither of these instruments need to do anything other than what they're doing right now, because it's a bit of a lull section. You don't really need to bring attention to any one thing in particular other than the melody. And even though the bass and drums are still hammering along, they're not really in the picture as much because, well, the bass is in the down low always, and then the drums are just kind of keeping the beat. So they don't often draw attention to themselves in the first place. And then at 249, we get this sort of gospel-y sort of... in the... Hammond organ line and to me it builds a little bit more tension as we drive into the next chorus and also as we've been saying you don't want to keep things the same we've already had two goes of the lower down melody happening but then it gets a little bit boring after a while and so then you can draw your attention instead to this uh organ little fill thing. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, there's. I don't think there's a point in reviewing the next two choruses because they're almost exactly the same as what we've had before. So instead, I'm going to skip ahead to 3 minutes and 30 seconds. And that will run through 3 minutes and 54 seconds. So the one really obvious thing that is going on here is that the melodic line is more towards the guitar in the left channel up until gonna shine tonight make her mine tonight that's pretty obvious I think but why would they want to not have the vocal line in there in the first place and just leave it up to the guitarist to carry it there's a couple of reasons I think first of all What could possibly lead into the vocals gonna shine to my make her mind tonight? I think those stand well on their own, given all of the other lyrics that we've had so far, and you don't really need any add anything else to that. Secondly, I think that we've established what the main parts of the melody are enough that I feel like we don't need to drive those parts of it in anymore. Still, the rest of the things are fine to keep going because they're the things that you want to jam out to, but the vocals in this case aren't the real main drivers and so we can just lay back and let the guitar handle it. The last thing that I want to point out here is that the drum has switched from the hi-hat onto the ride cymbal and that's In pop music, it's always indicative of reaching the end of a song, in my opinion, because it's a bigger, more fuller sound than the hi-hat. And so in this case, we can get away with going on the ride cymbal because we've established everything else that is going on there that a ride cymbal isn't going to take focus away from the things that we already know because we're already locked into what's there. And so, as we go into this ending, we have the opportunity to let things get bigger without drawing our attention away from things in the hi- and switching from the hi-hat to the ride cymbal is a good way to do that. And so, as we end off this song, Uh, I want to look at the section from 3 minutes and 54 seconds through the end. And there's one big thing other than the vocals that I want to highlight. The main thing that's going on for me in this section is the guitar in the right channel finally has an opportunity to be a lead guitarist. What do you know? And in this case, they are countering the melody well melody in an abstract concept of the vocals and they are just playing a part just above it but then also kind of laying back on it so going da, 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 something like that but in any case it's there and it's pretty anthematic considering that it outlines that da da, da those notes on the major triad of the home key, the tonic, and it does it in a pretty anthemic way, Um, a lot like a trumpet blaring out those notes as well. And then last but not least, we end with a fade-out. Now, why do you think this song would end in a fade-out? Whether it be for... A specific reason or to avoid something else. I think both of those apply here. To me, I think that the main thing is that they're trying to avoid having an ending. The main reason behind that is so that you feel that the song really hasn't ended to begin with, but that the song has been taken away from you. So then you're going to want to have it stuck in your head. Because in your head it's going to keep on going. But in actuality it's not going to end. Well it is going to end. In actuality it is going to end. But in your head it's going to keep on going. And so that's how catchy songs are made. The song ends. But then you still keep going it in your head. So then fade outs work really well to achieve that. So that even though the track actually ends, you don't end. And then also, I don't see how there's a way to end that song. Well, of course, in live situations, you have to end it somewhere. You can't just fade it out. Live music doesn't work that way because when you get quieter on an instrument, whether it be your vocals or drums or guitars or whatever, you lose some of the quality of the sound. So then it doesn't sound the same. It sounds like you're getting quieter instead of the song is fading out. So usually in cases like this, there is a definite ending that is created, whether it just be landing on some chord or there is an outro. But in this case, it doesn't need to have one. I think because the chord loop that's happening before then doesn't really have a good way to end to begin with. It just kind of cycles Around a bunch of chords and then one chord doesn't calmly sit it kind of has to go into another chord and so we have ended this track and now before we go or what maybe after we go I don't care which one you do but as long as you do it I want you to give this song another listen through all the way through just to see what's going on in this track and also to pick out some things that you didn't hear the first time or that I just straight up left out because I know that I left out some things in this discussion. Before I go, I want to direct your attention toward our email. That is deconstruct at wicb.org. There you can email us suggestions for songs that we could talk about in future episodes or, you know, just say hi. I don't care. And you can also find in the description links to all of my own projects as well but in any case, that's where I leave you today. My name is Ben. This has been the Deconstruct Podcast, and I will see you next time. Take care.